Welcome to Harbor for the Arts podcast, where opera and all genres of the performing and creative arts meets lifestyle. The mission of this podcast is to enhance, inspire, educate, and entertain all listeners about the performing and creative arts, especially opera. I'm your host, opera singer, producer, podcast host, TV host, and a whole lot of other multi-hyphenates, Brie Cooper. I'm so glad you're here today joining us. And if you're interested in watching any of my interviews for Harvard for the Arts, please check out my on-demand page, www.briecooper.net. Click the 728 Media to stream any Um, of my interviews or you can rent them there including my tv special hidden musical treasures of dc and my pandemic specials pizza art songs and arias that was sponsored by papa john's so just in case you live under a rock it is black history month i am very excited because this month i am featuring a lot of African-American classical singers that have made huge contributions to the world of music, including opera, specifically opera. And uh, so far, I've been highlighting them on my TikTok, so you can watch a video, hear a little bit of their music. I've been able to capture some of their interviews. And on Facebook, now I do this every year on Facebook and Instagram, but this year I'm just doing a little extra because... I think I just joined TikTok maybe six months ago or something like that, but I found it to work for me only because, uh, you know, it's just like three minutes um, for a video, excuse me. And I just, I just really like using the platform. It's fun. It's engaging. All of those things that you want it to be. I have a question for you. I want to know how many people out there listening have really thought about the contributions of Um, African-Americans in today's society and also in the past. Has it really helped as far as having recognition? When you scroll through your feed, are you being hit in the face with, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, that's neat. That's interesting. You know, and that's really what I wanted to do with uh, my TikToks and just really just bringing, you know, having people spend a couple of minutes out of their time to just start the curiosity train, as they call it, you know, just like, oh, hmm, I want to learn more about him or her. Um, You know, I really want to find out more. I want to listen more. So I think that's really, really important. Sorry, I hit my microphone. And um, I just really, I just love sharing that information and learning more about people in general. And I think about the curriculum I had growing up as far as in school and then in college. My parents always made sure that I knew who a lot of the African-American singers were because they would always say, these are the people that are clearing the way for you and for other singers. So it's important to know who they are. So I always knew, I always knew them. And I had a great music teacher, um, you know, from like elementary school all the way through. When I got to college, I don't really recall a lot of the curriculum, including African-American singers. Not that it was not that it was a deliberate kind of thing like, oh, let's let's not include African-American singers. But I do think that there was not a lot written about them. Um, sure, in some of the books, that tells you how long ago it was because we actually used books. But sure, in some of the books, um, and of course, we all knew who 
who just the popular African-American singers were. Anytime they were in town, we were literally in a car driving three or four hours going to hear them. And that's just something we did. But I'm hoping that today a lot of students who are, and maybe if you're listening and you are in a university right now or college setting, um, has that changed? I mean, I think since the past, definitely the past couple of years, it's been nice to hear this conversation about African-American composers now being included in a lot of recital programming. I mean, there was a singer I heard the other night, and he sung this beautiful piece by, um, uh, the words were written by Langston Hughes, but he featured a new African, you know, younger African-American composer. It was beautiful. He is not African-American, but it was nice to hear to hear this. I mean, it's so important that, that composers um, of color are being featured in mainstream recital. So if, you, if you're listening and you don't know how the recital circuit runs, basically what happens is that, you know, you learn for in college anyway you learn what you're going to learn for this recital let's say it maybe it has a theme maybe it doesn't usually in college you're pretty much learning everything presenting everything that you've learned so it could be italian it could be french it could be german um contemporary english and then at the end there's always a section like i'm you know i'm a black singer so there was always a section at the end that included something that was um important to me like my culture my history um and definitely always spirituals every black singer always sings the spiritual and I always thought wow you have people like Florence B. Price who's a beautiful like not only singer but she's an amazing composer and I sing some of her selections her arrangements but I always always had that question of wow how come people of all races don't sing her music more often in like in the recital and it doesn't have she's written more than just spirituals okay um, and so that's the biggest question I have sometimes. And I think it's nice to actually hear a lot of these singers now who are not African-American really start to present some pieces by African-American composers. Because at the end of the day, guess what? I had to learn about Mozart. I had to learn to sing Mozart. I had to learn to sing Beethoven. I had to learn to sing everyone. Um, and why can't it be the reverse? Like, why can't white singers learn to sing, you know, compositions written by African-American composers? So I'm hoping that there's a change there and it's it's much needed. And uh, just let me know your thoughts. You can always email me, um, uh, 728media at net, or you can email Bridget at net. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have an update for you regarding English National Opera. You know, I brought the story to you before Christmas about how their funding was being cut by the Arts Council of England, and also they were basically almost being forced to move outside of London, which has been their home for years and years and years. Um, and so I, I'm hoping that maybe, maybe my podcast, maybe they were listening to them and I don't know. But anyway, um, so the Arts Council of England has agreed that it is going to invest over 11 million pounds in the English National Opera for for April 2023 through March of 2024. 
um, to sustain the program of work that English National Opera, you know, through their home, which has been the London Coliseum. At the same time, help the ENO start planning for a new base outside of London in 2026. So I think that's very fair. I think that's something that they need to compromise. And, you know, now you guys, I was going to get a master's in nonprofit arts management. And um, I decided to get a master's in something else. But the time that I spent learning about nonprofit arts management, I will say the first thing that they teach you is do not become dependent. Do not rely on any source of funding that is through grant every single year. It's icing on the cake if you get it every single year, but it should never be assumed that you're going to get it from year to year. That's why you always have to have um, you know, different streams of income coming in all the time from different uh, sources of grants, all of that. And I think that's really exciting. I think that's a good compromise. What do you guys think? So the CEO of the Arts Council of England has also said that the grant is going to provide the English National Opera with um, stability and continuity while they plan their future. So they're not just going to yank the carpet up from underneath of them um, <laughs> like they were originally planning to do. But, um, you know, they're going to give them some time, 2026. So hopefully that's enough time to come up with a plan B for ENL. But I think that's great news. I think that's really exciting. I'm glad people, you know, um, made their voices be heard. And maybe they listened to my podcast, you guys, and talked about it. But I think I think it's uh, really important um, that we speak up for the arts. Every opportunity that we get... Um, and moving on, today's episode, you guys, we're going to talk about advocacy. And I think that singers of all backgrounds um, really have to learn how to advocate for themselves. And it is a skill, but I have found hindsight being twenty twenty, I have realized that being able to advocate for yourself is a skill that you have to practice. And you have to practice at every opportunity. Before you know it, there'll be something huge that comes along and you have to advocate for yourself and you have to speak up. And then you're able to speak out without feeling, you know, nervous about it. Um, because it, it is a skill that has to be learned. But I want to share some tips with you just from my personal experience about advocating for yourself as a performing artist and the importance of it. And, you know, you have to be so responsible for so many areas of the creative process. And for those of you who are independent um, classical singers or musicians, like I'm an independent classical singer, you know, there's so many wheels that that we have or balls up in the air that we have all the time. And when we get a specific project that we're working on, um, you know, it starts from the communication, the initial communication. But it also, we also have to be equipped to speak up for ourselves and understand the bigger picture. And if something doesn't gel or if something isn't working, you have to be able to find that courage to say, you know what, this is not going to work. 
and you have to be okay with it and politely step away or politely end it, that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, number one, I would just say for all of us, we need to know your rights. You need to make sure that you're clear about so many different things. You have to make sure you're clear about your fees. You have to be clear about um, what's going to be covered, what's not going to be covered. Is there going to be any sort of uh, compensation? Or are they going to pay you that way, like just straight out pay you? Or are they going to um, assume that you are okay with being on a stipend? And a stipend, they can make it, and they could just, you know, stipend sometimes that just covers gas. It maybe it covers one meal a day, and that's it. They're not going to pay you for the performance. So it's really important to be very clear and to know know your rights. Um, and anytime you read a contract, you have to be able to dissect it. If you can't dissect it for yourself, you know, um, one of the tips that I, I learned, my dad was a lawyer, but one of the tips he definitely shared with me is that you read the whole thing. And even if you, you know, it's, it's a lot and you can't read all of it, but never sign it after you read it one time, you should always read through it take sections. Maybe you can't read through it all at like one time, or, you know, maybe you're overloaded in a lot of different areas and you're like, okay, I cannot do this right now. But, you know, read through it, take about 10 minutes to be like, okay, I'm going to read this section tonight. I'm going to read the rest of it. Don't sign it. Still don't sign it. After that, read through it one more time. And then while you're reading through it the second time, start writing down questions or things that just literally, when you read things, sometimes there are points that you have a question about immediately. Start writing down those questions the second time you read through it. Read through it again a third time. See if maybe you missed something with those questions that you wrote down initially. Maybe by the third time you read it, you know, maybe you missed a part where that question was actually answered. So then you start to really brush up your question list. And you do not have to respond immediately to anyone. Sometimes they'll put a deadline on it. But if they are saying, oh, we need this back by tonight, you have every right to say, I'm sorry, I can't get that back to you tonight. I'm going to have to read through this. I can give you a deadline of, you know, maybe it's um, 48 hours. Maybe it's 24 hours if you have that kind of, of time or if you have, maybe you have a, an attorney that can help you read through that. So that's really important. Know, know your rights and know it's okay to ask questions and know that what you are doing is is actually almost like paving the way for the next person because if you let anyone kind of get over on you, they're just going to think, okay, well, I can do this to the next singer too. Um, they won't, it won't matter. Um, that happens a lot. You know, as we talk about Black History Month, I mean, it happens a lot with any singer, but definitely singers of color, you know, um, where we, it's this subconscious psychological thing. No one's telling us to do it. No one's, but it's this thing of, well, if I don't get this job, you know, I, I need to just be okay with whatever they pay me. And it can be okay sometimes if you know what your worth is and if you know that, and I'm talking about people who who have to fend for themselves basically and independent, you have to know your worth and you have to be okay with saying, you know what, I'm, I'm worth this. And if they 
they should be able to negotiate with you but if they don't you need to be okay with just walking away so definitely definitely know what your rights are and define what you need you know the next thing is you, you want to what are your needs what do you need um do you need um a piano do you need you you don't have to come out of pocket for every single thing and especially if you already know you're going in and they're not paying a whole lot of money for your for your uh, performance they can compensate you in other ways you know have them you know provide whatever it is you need you need lighting they should be providing it for you you need audio visual they should be providing it for you um, you want to make sure of all of those things and and you have to write it down so define what now what I do is I do have a checklist so anyone who calls and they say oh we love you to perform blah 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 I go ahead and create my I have pull out my checklist and I ask all the things that I need um, and it has to be checked off and or <laughs> my fee goes up um, so any inconvenience to you, you shouldn't be, you should not be in, inconvenienced, quite frankly. You are the talent. You are the one that should be going out and at the end of the night, every person in the audience should just feel so good and you've been able to take their minds off of something and they've been able to escape for an hour or two. Um, that, that's your job. That is your job. Um, when it comes to some of this other stuff, you know, you, hopefully you will, they should be doing it. And there've been times where I feel like, okay, I'm doing too much. No, I'm not going to do it. If I have to do all of this and do all this work outside of performing, um, you know, to get this performance up, then maybe it's just too much. So there've been times where I've turned down people, organizations, and especially, you know, of course, if they don't pay, but if if there's just too much extra, you know, the organizations that um, you'll perform for because you know that it's a good organization, you know that maybe they don't have a huge budget. And then sometimes I think about, like, it's so interesting because as a performing artist, sometimes I think about uh, recently Beyonce performed at um, in, in, in Dubai. And I think it was reported that she made $8 million. And I think about, like, sometimes <laughs> classical singers, like, all we're asking for is, you know, maybe 10000 for a performance. Or if you're doing an independent concert, maybe a 1500 for you know, a, a, a recital. Maybe, you know, um, $500 for your accompanist to play. You know, that kind of thing. And yet, you know, here we have performing artists who, you know, they're definitely proving themselves for sure. But, I mean, $8 million. Oh, my gosh. And I feel bad asking about, you know, a certain amount of money sometimes. Well, you have to get over that. And it is a skill. And you have to learn that every time you ask for what you want, you have to be ready to walk away if it doesn't work out. Um, but do not, you know, once you say what you want, as far as a fee, do not, do not go back. Like, don't be like, okay, I'll accept $20. No, 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 we're better than that. Know your responsibilities. You have to know what you are responsible for. Um, if someone has a project for you, you have to keep up your end of the bargain and you have to be ready to provide a, uh, 
a, a kind of a detailed analysis, if not to them, to you, to yourself. You know, what are your responsibilities? What do you need to have accomplished for this to be a success? Because as we know, you know, what, 60 to 80% of our work is based on being a rehire for a project that you did and they were pleased with. And they're like, oh, let's call so-and-so. Let, let's get them back here. We know what we're going to get. We know we're going to get someone who's professional, someone who knows their rights, someone who asks questions, um, someone who holds up their end of the bargain. And I think that that's just really, really important. And a lot of people, you know, you have to realize that you need to build a, a team of people around you. That's the next thing. Have a team of support that can help you with planning the project, with doing a variety of, of different things, tasks. Now, I used to be one of these people that, oh, I could do everything. I could do, I'm going to do it all, partly because I like to be in control, but at the same time, the other part is, no, I just better get it done. But then I slowly realized you can't do it all yourself. You could try to do it all yourself, and there's some projects that you can do it all yourself, but as you become, I guess, um, advanced in your career, you realize like it does take a team of people. And you don't have to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars. You don't have to pay hundreds of dollars. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars. But even if it's some of your trusted friends that you know are good at certain things. So if you have a friend that is great at graphic design, ask them. You know, I wouldn't have that friend that's great at graphic design be like, oh, hey, can you help me put this together to sell some tickets or be in charge of the ticketing? No, that's not even in a wheelhouse sometimes. So you want to make sure that each person that you ask or you're asking a favor of, have it be something that they're already familiar with. Like it's already in their wheelhouse. It's not a big deal. Um, if you have a friend who likes uh, organizing stuff, I mean, that's going to be your go-to person to, for me, I, I'm bit better on the bigger picture. I am not great at the 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 minute details of it all and I prefer and I always have somebody that I say here's the project here's what we're going to do um here's what I know about the project and then I also have to make sure that the person that's doing that asks me questions about well what about this detail and then sometimes I don't even think about it because I'm already thinking about, oh, my God, what am I going to sing for my repertoire? Oh, my God, I'm so excited. Oh, my God, this is going to be such a good gig. Okay, <laughs> that's where my mind is. But when you have someone on your team that is just focused on the details, they will elevate not only your performance, but people's perception of you. And I think that's really, really powerful and important. And of course, you want to make sure that you know these people, that you've established a relationship with them, and that you they know your expectations. Because sometimes you can't hire all your friends. You can't hire um, friends because sometimes they may lose sight of, no, it's not you as their friend that they pal around with, have a good time, you know, all of that stuff. It's you now as a professional and that friend or whomever you have do that. If they really have this great relationship with you, they have to know that line. Like it's all fun and games, but when it comes to my music and performing and putting on this recital, 
you know, it's all business. It's all business. And they're there to also protect you, you know, make sure that, that what you have to do and your reputation is uh, unscathed <laughs> in the process. And keep good records. Make sure you keep good records. That's really important. Okay. These days um, in the digital age, it's a lot easier. But my parents were always like, make a copy of everything. Make a copy of everything. Make a copy of everything. I worked with someone of a project. I'm not going to name drop, but the person's pretty famous. And the person, I was so shocked to find out that they still write on paper like they still use paper for a lot of the portions of their project now they're younger you would think they would be all into technology but they are so advanced in their career they're like oh no I write I write on paper I I mean and they are very organized that way so it's important to keep records and um, you know keep copies of records make sure you get your receipts make sure if you're the one issuing the contract that everybody knows um you know the expectations and that's the other thing that can be really tricky i've had people contact me and say oh hey can you sing for this or that and they're always shocked that i send them a an agreement they think it's just oh it's just brie you know we're just gonna call her and have her sing for this but it's a business for me <laughs> So I'm like, sign the agreement. Here's my expectations. Here's what I'm expecting. Here's how, you know, how I define all of this. And they're always shocked. They're always shocked. But you know what? You learn to, and I used to feel weird about it. The first time I had to do it, I was kind of like, oh, I feel weird about that. No, we could just do it. But, and the other thing is that it weeds out a lot of people because guess what? People that don't want to sign an agreement, that means that's almost like a red flag. If they don't want to sign agreement, that means they don't want their name on anything. That means they don't want to be held accountable for anything. So that sends up a flag. Like, should you even be dealing with them? As nice as they are, you know, maybe you should pass on that. And the first time I did that, I remember thinking, now I did do an experiment. I did an experiment the very first couple of times where I was in the position to actually Someone reached out to me. I sent them an agreement, my expectations. Um, and both times, um, one of them went by, like one of them went through without a problem at all. Like they were, they signed it. And that was like one of the best experiences. And that's when I knew for sure that has to be a habit that I have to continue to do. It can't be, oh, okay, yeah, girl, I'll sing for you. No problem. A hundred bucks. Okay. Or whatever it is. No, not a hundred, but whatever, whatever your fee is, it doesn't matter. There's no shame in anybody's game. Um, but then there are times when I said this one time, second time I did, I said, you know, I'm going to see if I, if I don't sign this agreement or send the agreement, let's see how this goes over. I was prepared. I was prepared that I could not squawk. That was the one thing I said to myself. You can't squawk if it goes south. You can't sit up there and demand your money if, if it goes south. And I said, okay, I'm just going to do this, see what happens did it uh, you know as a friend as a favor performed and you know there was some drama trying to get paid and I don't think I got paid from that gig probably for another three months after and I didn't make a big deal about it because I had already put it in the back of my mind like okay you're you're just it's just going to be a loss and I was going to write it off on my taxes but 
three months later, they got back. To, I just didn't even, I didn't even contact them again. Didn't, they, I, I sent them one request. And after I felt, you know, you get the feeling that you're being getting the runaround. I said, you know what? I'm just going to not deal with it. And so some people might say, oh, you should go after your money. But for me, I had already gone into it like, okay, this is going to be an experiment for me. And so I had kind of already made up that that part of my mind, like this is going to be money that I'm probably not going to get back. I'm probably not, not get back, but I'm not going to get at all. And icing on the cake if I get it. I just remained professional. I said, thank you so much. It was very enjoyable. The people loved it. Three months later, of course, they um, reach out to me and they wanted to confirm my address so that they could send me the check. And so they sent the check and they sent it for more than what I even charged. And then also um, a huge thank you. And the next time they, they did call back like a month later and they said, uh, we would love for you to perform for whatever organization, whatever thing it was. And uh, this time I sent them an agreement and they quickly signed it, got it back to me. And there was not even another issue with getting paid. So that's the important part that you have to realize about being an advocate for yourself and, and standing up for yourself. And, uh, you know, that's all I wanted to say about that. I hope you are having an amazing day. I hope you are going to have an amazing week. Feel free to contact me. Why don't you shop at my store on 3cooper.net? You can click the shop link. You should shop. I have some stuff, some merchandise there. And that would mean the world to me. Listen to me on Spotify, of course. And also, if you're looking to advertise, please send me an email. That would be wonderful. Send it to 728media at bricooper.net and send it to Matt, M-A-T-T. Okay, attention Matt. And just let us know what you want, and uh, we'll get on it. That would be great. That's how you can support me for sure, uh, and my, um, you know, my endeavors. I don't want to get on things like Patreon. I am there, but you know, I just like dealing with people, people like real people. I don't like the middleman. Um, so anyway. So I hope you have an amazing day, amazing week. Enjoy Black History Month. Learn something about any the African-American person that has made a huge contribution. Think about the people in your community that have made a huge contribution. You know, send them a thank you note. Let them know that you see them. Uh, But anyway, have a great one. uh, And uh, check me out on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. And I have an announcement later this month. So hang in there.